to the Mainline Podcast. I am Adam Jacquez, joined by Corbin Polson. We've got some World Series to talk about this evening, both the uh, men's baseball team heading up to Omaha, hoping to bring back a national title to Norman, and then, of course, the softball team, as everyone knows, uh, taken uh, back-to-back titles. Uh, that was kind of almost old news at this point. We're almost a week out from that, and then we've got some football recruiting tidbits to talk about. There's been some action going on there. So before we get into all of that, Corbin, I need my Avs update. I live under an NHL rock. So you kind of you kind of hinted me, I guess, a little bit right before we re- hit record that there is at least a positive update. I was a little nervous that it might be a negative one, but give us our it, Avs update. It is positive. So NHL final game one is tomorrow night. I will not be attending in person, but I will be at the watch party. I purchased Game 7 tickets, Adam. It Ooh. seemed like a win-win because if they don't go, I get refunded. But if they go, like Game 7, come on now. Like that would be a blast. So that will be we'll epic. see how it goes. Uh, you know, playing Tampa Bay. They've won the last two cups. I'm a little nervous. I've been listening to podcasts, like trying to get inspired with some hope. Um, we'll see. It's going to be a battle, but it should be fun. Uh, but Adam, one thing that has been a hot topic on sports radio here that I wanted to get your, uh, for those of you who don't know, sports radio in Denver, that's where I'm located. I wanted to get your thoughts on. So NBA, uh, I guess MLB, I guess NBA is probably the main one. It's the NBA finals with an S. For the NHL, it is the NHL playoff, like Stanley Cup final, no S. Hmm. which do you lean towards? Cause both have an argument to make sense because it is the final, it is the final matchup, but there's multiple games. So is it the final or the finals? I mean, each game is a final, right? So that's where I see the plural finals coming from, right. but it's the I, final series. It's, yeah. It blew my mind. I didn't know this was a thing. Yeah. But I guess I've always thought of it because I'm more of an NBA fan than an NHL fan. So I want to make it, finals just shorten it but i guess if you are saying the full phrase final series it's just the stanley cup final yeah Uh, yeah i mean i've been a hockey guy my entire life and i never knew it was the nhl final no s some people are real particular about things i guess (laughs) (laughs) i thought it was interesting so we'll see i was telling my uh my fiance i was like the abs are getting to the point where i'm starting to care as much as i do about ou football and like this is a very unhealthy road that I'm going down because at least in the fall I have like all spring and summer to like relax I'm not super invested in much and now I just feel like at least 10 years of my life is going to be shortened just by having like full year always stressed out well what the the regular season ends in like mid-may early may yeah I think playoffs have been going for well playoffs have been going for probably about a month and a half so it may be a uh yeah late may early mid-may somewhere in there yeah you're yeah. spot on. Yeah, so I guess I'm thinking of that from a Thunder fan perspective. Like, yes, sometimes my fandom goes into June, and sometimes yeah. it ends in like December because <laughs> of tanking. But <laughs> um, but you get you get some of your life back depending on yeah. you know how the team trends over the years. But uh, that's yeah. fair. Hopefully, we're they talking can... about hot yeah. trends. Adam. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, you baseball? Let's have it. Yeah, just an unprecedented run to the College World Series. A a team that I don't think. I mean, any of us really saw coming except for maybe inside that locker room. And you look at the trajectory of this entire season, um, you know, dropping three games in a row at uh, at the Shriners Classic at Minute Maid Park, losing some heart-wrenching series against Texas and Oklahoma State, losing at home to New Orleans, and then 
the season turns around after that uh, that Texas series down in Globe Life, which is kind of interesting. Maybe that should have been in Norman. Maybe that would have been the start of uh, you know the, the the run. But regardless, this team found its groove and they just tore through the competition since that point. Um, they kind of got snubbed, I think, at the end of the year and not getting to be a host in the regional. Go ahead and take care of business in Florida. I don't think that was necessarily a shock or a surprise. A lot of people picked OU to win that. But then you go to the number four overall seed in Virginia Tech, and we won't dwell a whole lot on this particular series because we're, we're a couple of days removed at this point. The focus is on what's happening in Omaha at this point. But you go in and you take down the number four team, and I don't know. It didn't feel like there was a whole lot of drama because even after Saturday's loss, you thought, hey, we've got Kate Horton. We've got you know uh, Trevin Michael in the bullpen coming out to close that. We feel really good about that. But um, the, the team just came out on fire, making the types of plays that get you to Omaha. The desperation, you know, you saw Kendall Pettis with two diving catches. You saw uh, Blake Robertson make a diving catch in the bottom of the ninth to to make an out there um, on the toss to Trevin Michael. Uh, Trevin Michael himself uh, was fantastic. Um, faced, I think, twelve batters and struck out eight of them across uh, Friday and Sunday's games. So this team just continues to peak. Uh, they they continue to uh, go beyond what pretty much anyone thought that they could. And and here they are in Omaha, and it feels pretty special. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. The, I think what I'm most impressed by with this baseball team is that when I tuned in to watch, I didn't jinx it. They overcame my power to lose games as soon as I turn on the TV and watch OU baseball. So I know we were chatting the first time I turned it on, it was like, what, two two runs for Virginia Tech? And I was like, oh boy, I'm, gonna, I'm about to do this. I'm going to ruin their season. But they turned it around. It was impressive. But I'll be honest, Adam, just across the landscape of college baseball last weekend, upsets left and right, um, obviously including OU. But I, I do have to ask, because all I've seen on Twitter and stuff is about Tennessee. And like, this was the greatest team ever and probably the most arrogant team ever. So setting aside OU baseball, just for a quick second, is this just like karma catching up to Tennessee baseball? Is it, does it feel fitting? You followed it more than I have. Yeah, it does. And it couldn't have happened to a better fan base and a better team. <laughs> um, I, I think there was even a point, I think it was on Friday's game where some of the fans were throwing trash on the field. It's like, just like football. It's yep. the same fans apparently. Um, and uh, it just it felt so right. Notre Dame. I know a lot of people are not big Notre Dame fans, but that's a very old, very mature team um, that the Irish have. And so um, if you listen to the people that were plugged into college baseball, this wasn't a huge shock or a surprise. I think some people even picked Notre Dame to go in and, and win that. But it is it's kind of amazing. You know, people thought, hey, this is one of the best teams that we've seen in a long time. I think the first team since the 90s to lead the entire country in both ERA and home runs. So incredibly balanced and they don't even make it out of uh, super regionals, which if you want to talk about how that relates for OU, that's a team that OU would have faced and and had on their side of the bracket in in all likelihood. So Notre Dame, a very, very good team, but I think you like your odds against the Irish uh, as opposed to Tennessee um, there. So um, and then the upsets on the other side of the bracket too. You've got Auburn, you've got Ole Miss, um, both teams playing really hot. Auburn, a team that OU beat in the very first game of the year, three, nothing. That's right. The only shutout of the entire season for this pitching staff, <laughs> uh, kind of ironically. And that feels like ages and ages ago that the OU team that played that game and the Auburn team that played that game are not the same teams today. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it feels like such a wide open field that 
is really out there for the taking. Ten- Texas is is the betting favorite at this point, but is I don't think are you scared of Texas? We split that four games this year, two and two, and we're ready to go head to head with them if we have to. It looks like we might since they're on our yeah. side of the bracket as well. Well, give us a preview here, Adam. We uh, we got uh, Texas A and M on Thursday, I believe. Correct. Correct at uh, Correct. one o'clock central. Yep. Yep. Give us a preview of what uh, the highs and lows for the Aggies. What we should what we should be uh, watching out for. So Texas A and M is feels a lot like what OU is at this point. Um, basically, they haven't lost a weekend series since April third when they played uh, Alabama. And uh, they haven't lost an NCAA attorney yet. Now, all of those games have been at home in College Station at Bluebell Park. Probably one of the craziest, you know, home atmospheres in all of college baseball. Um, you get those weird cult followers that show up and do all their weird, you know, yells and arm motions. Um, but uh, yeah, they, I wouldn't say it's been like a, necessarily an easy road, but it's been a much easier path to be able to play all those games at home than what OU has had to go through at this point. So um, it'll be a little bit more difficult for them, but in regards to the trajectory of this team, they were kind of on the outside looking in. They were not ranked in the preseason. Um, I think uh, D1 Baseball did not have them in their preseason NCAA tournament field at all. But their their I guess their star has risen a little bit higher than OU's, simply because they play in the SEC. If you ask me, <laughs> a little SEC bias, um, playing a little bit better teams, so their wins are probably a little bit better, but. To me, they look a lot like OU as far as just um, the level of, of team. So I don't think it's necessarily one that OU needs to be scared of. Doesn't mean that OU is like the big favorite here or anything like that, but um, a, a team that certainly OU should be able to beat. Now, the tough part is going to be the bullpen. Their, their starter, uh, we're most likely getting Nathan Detmer, a uh, right-hander to start. That's fine. He, he's a good pitcher. He, he's not necessarily like uh, someone that is going to be able to shut OU down, in my opinion. It's really what's going to come out of that bullpen. You've got some left-handers, uh, most notably uh, Joseph Minifee and then Jake uh, Palish, who's the closer. Those two guys are both left-handers. That's the guys that have given OU the most trouble, is those lefties, especially out of the pen. So I think the key part of beating this team really is going to be, hey, can you get up to a 3-4 run lead quickly, get the starter off the mound, and then can you at least hold the water and continue somewhat against those lefties out of the bullpen. Don't just completely fall in a hole like we saw the Sooners do on Saturday against Virginia Tech and then the previous Saturday against Florida when they brought a lefty out of the bullpen. If they can maintain there, I think that'll put OU in a really great position to win this game. Adam, setting aside your crimson glasses, if you're looking at the field there in Omaha, if you were to put money on a betting favorite of who walks out there with the title, who would you pick? It does seem wide open. It, it really does. It really does. Texas is the betting favorite, according to Vegas. And I think that is the safe money. Uh, on the other side, you do have Stanford, the number two overall seed. Very few overall uh, seeds actually came to Omaha. You've got Texas, who was a nine. Uh, you've got uh, Auburn, I think was like a 15, 16. Stanford was a two. And then uh, there's probably someone else that I'm, I'm missing off the top of my head, but a lot of twos, a lot of threes uh, making it. Ole Miss might be the hottest team in the country right now. Yeah. Um, they had enough talent to be ranked in the top five preseason, a lot of polls, and then kind of lost their way, but have found it here at the end of the year. Same thing with Arkansas, um, another top five projected team. I guess if I was making a bet that I thought would pay off, I feel like Ole Miss would probably be that one. But man, it just it feels like every team is 
is beatable for OU. It feels like yeah. everybody, and it, and maybe if OU hadn't played Texas at this point, maybe I would be more scared of them because of the, the heavy hitters they have there. But the fact that we've been there, we've we came out 500 on the year so far. I, that's not really a giant that necessarily scares me necessarily. That they may end up beating OU. Uh, any any of these teams can beat OU, but I think sure. at the same time OU can beat any of these teams too. So you have to love your chances. Yeah. Uh, amazing to see the, uh, the, our future sec brethren. I'm, if I'm looking correctly, six out of the eight teams, uh, either current or future sec teams, pretty impressive. Uh, you could say something very similar, not to quite to the extent of the women's college world series, obviously OU in Texas, uh, two future sec teams playing for the national title there. So, um, definitely moving into a, a tougher conference on the baseball side, I would think as we go, go forward, but for Adam, as far as maybe some things that people who don't follow OU baseball as much, um, what are some things about Omaha that maybe we should know heading into this weekend? Yeah. So um, if you're watching our YouTube video or seeing some of the clips on our social media, I have Rosenblatt as my Zoom background here, but that is not where the Sooners will be playing. Uh, since actually OU played in the last College World Series that took place in this stadium back in 2010, and since has moved a little closer to downtown Omaha to uh, what is now Charles Schwab Field, holds about 24,000 fans. I'm curious to see what the OU turnout is going to be like. Other than Arkansas, we're the closest fan base to Omaha. So um, hoping we see a lot of Sooners there uh, supporting the team. It's not a ballpark known for a lot of home runs. Now, that's not going to matter too much, I think, for the game against AM. They only have a couple more home runs, maybe like 10, 15 more than, than OU does as a team. And so I do, I do think that helps favor OU if you're going up against some other teams. There's not really a team in this field that I would say is reliant on home runs, but some definitely hit more than others. So OU's definitely had more home runs as of late, but it's a team that their bread and butter is manufacturing runs, stealing bases. And that out of all the teams here, OU, I think, has the most stolen bases by almost double the next closest team and uh, leads the field as far as uh, stolen bases and walks out of all the teams. So if there's any team that is really going to find ways to get across the plate, I feel like that's OU. So this ballpark can help play in their favor there. Uh, So I I think, man, maybe I'm talking myself into it. Maybe my, (laughs) maybe my crimson colored glasses are on. Don't do this to yourself. But, but still at the same time, it's like, this program was not supposed to be here. We're p- picked sixth in the Big 12. We still have national media catching up to what this program has done. Even before the the series in Blacksburg, I heard so many people saying, oh, well, I don't know about this OU team. The ERA is not great. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's true. If you look at the overall season statistics, they don't tell the full story, though. I mean, this yeah. team is is just on fire as of the last two months, really, at this point. You look at... The, your core four pitchers, your, um, you know, your, your Cade Horton, your David Sandlin, your Jake Bennett, and then your closer, Trevin Michael, um, they are giving up a 3.36 ERA uh, here in the postseason. Like that's a huge difference from Unreal. the overall team ERA, which is still in the fives, I think, uh, or six even. So, um, and, and now you get a schedule that's a little more spaced out. The Sooners play Friday. They play Sunday, win or lose. And, uh, and then if they are winning, uh, consistently, then they don't play again until Wednesday. So you have a lot of space between games. I think you can use Trevin Michael pretty much every game, you know, if he's just doing an inning or two to, to close out games. So again, the season gets shorter, 
the rest gets longer and it continues to play in the favor and to the strength, I think, of this OU team, which is still your hitting, but your pitching has come a long way to help support that hitting. So it's going to be exciting. I mean, it doesn't come along very often that this team is in Omaha. And uh, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm excited to see more and more OU fan support, which I guess kind of brings up an interesting question because you're an OU fan that is probably more typical of the average OU fan out there. Agreed. Yeah. Do you think that baseball making the World Series feels different than, I guess, some of the other accomplishments of other programs? I would think so. I mean, especially if you compare it and something we unfortunately have to do. I think unfortunately for baseball sake, you have to, you have to compare it to softball. Um, yeah. And that's a very unfair advantage, most conversations, but softball was expected to win it all. If they wouldn't have gotten to, you know, winning the championship or even to the championship series, it would have been a significant disappointment where if OU, let's be honest, if OU goes into Blacksburg and loses, I still think most people would be like, overall, pretty good season. Rounded out really good, like yeah. takes momentum into next season. But the fact they've made it to Omaha, I think – I don't know if it's – I don't think it's a bigger accomplishment than what softball has been able to do, but I think it's a more surprising, um, you know, into the season than, than what you saw on the uh, the other diamonds. So it's definitely uh, something I think the program should be proud of, and I think it's definitely, a, a, like I said, kind of a, a more surprising um, end of the season than what, uh, than what softball did. I, it is interesting because out of all the programs out there and there's kind of your, your core four or five, you know, your football, men's, women's basketball, baseball, and softball. Those are your, your biggest, most noteworthy sure. sports, even as successful as gymnastics and some of the others have been baseball is going to have a wider fan base just because it's a more mainstream sport, sure. but baseball is probably I don't know if they're the most long suffering, but they have had success. Like this is traditionally a very good baseball program. And we had a gap there of almost 10 years from our last super regional, um, 12 years from our last uh, college world series appearance. And there's lots of fans still left around from, you know, those, those winning days of Sonny Galloway. And it kind of feels like the long suffering fans are being rewarded uh, at this point. You've got, yeah, um, you've got a lot of guys that, you know, this is a really big deal for, um, skip Johnson making his return to Omaha, Toby Rowland, a huge baseball guy. Um, and I think he said on the radio the other day that when he took this job as the broadcaster at OU, like this was the one thing that he wanted to do was to call a game in the college world series. Wow. So it feels, it feels kind of special. It kind of feels like a little bit of a return. Um, I don't want to say that yet and talk about the program going into next year. Cause let's enjoy what sure. we have now, but it does, it does feel different. Um, softball, football, you expect to be there. Men's basketball, making a final four every once in a while is not, not crazy. It just I don't know, it feels a little different. But I was curious. Well, I am going to ask you about yeah. the future, though, because a big question I think I've been thinking through, especially over this past week, is at the beginning of the season and really probably skips entire tenure here at OU, outside of one year that there's a big question mark when OU is actually a really solid team, and unfortunately the season got cut short, there's been some questions about Skip and can he lead this program to what what the program should be. Do you feel more confident that this is kind of a one-year wonder? Skip, has, the team's just hot. Coaching doesn't matter as much when a team gets this hot. Or do you believe this can be something that Skip can build off of and make coming to Omaha more of a consistent thing? 
You know, the interesting thing about college baseball right now that OU fans don't have to be concerned about is the transfer portal now. And we're mm -hmm. seeing a lot of teams that didn't make the, the postseason get kind of uh, wrecked a little bit on the roster. OU is fortunate that, you know, our young guys and some of the guys that maybe are looking for a new home, they're like, why would you be looking for a new home at this point anyway? <laughs> You're yeah. going to Omaha. Um, so that's kind of interesting. And that could throw a wrench in it. I wonder how he will handle the, the transfer era of, of college baseball. Hmm. We're not going to find out this year, which is great, but you know, that, that 2020 season is so hard. Like how do you measure it? Because, Oh, you could have been the Tennessee of that year and not even made it to Omaha. And then yeah. do you view it differently or do they go to Omaha and win it all? Like, were they just that good? Like we have no idea. Um, and that team I think made it to what mid March which that sounds right. Yeah. That's when everything shut down. And at that point in this season, OU was losing a series to new Orleans. So yeah. who knows where that season, it could have gone way down. It could have gone way up. We just have no idea. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm talking a lot to give you a non-answer. <laughs> I have no idea at this point, but you have to love what he's done um, to this sure. point. And he's got, he's bought himself, you know, at least a few more years uh, at minimum. Um, yeah. in, in Norman, if he chooses to stay now, I know there were, we've heard some different things, rumors about maybe he was looking elsewhere after last year. Um, but Hey, keep, keep, keep on the bandwagon, you know, <laughs> keep, keep rolling yeah. with this. You got a good thing. You've got, um, you know, some, some new recruits coming in. You've got some transfers. We got one from Baylor that's hit over 300 you know, last year. So, uh, the, the ceiling looks, looks high for, for skip yeah. in this program. Um, so, uh, there we shall go. see. I've got anything else for the listeners out at, uh, I've got two quick X factors. Um, okay. I could sit here and gush for a long time about baseball, but <laughs> we do have to give some props to, to softball, but two X factors. I'll give you one pitching and one, uh, one on the, uh, the hitting and the batting batter's box there for pitching. It will be interesting to see if Cade Horton is your day three starter or, or rather your game three starter at this point because of the spacing. Uh, you play Friday, you're guaranteed to play Sunday, win or lose in the winners or losers bracket. Kate Horton, by all accounts, incredibly hot right now. Probably your uh, 1A to 1B with Jake Bennett as your starter. Do you go with Kate Horton on Sunday, depending on matchup, or if you're in the losers bracket, or do you save him for the game three, whatever that might be? Um, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. In the batter's box, Blake Robertson, he's only hitting 230 in the postseason. This was a guy that at his peak in the middle of the year uh, against Kansas had a 392 average and uh, was like top five in walks in the uh, in all of college baseball. And he's really slowed down. He's batting in that uh, three hole in the lineup. So you would love to see him kind of hit that groove again. Um, you've got other guys like Tanner Treadway that are hitting over 500 in postseason, Peyton Graham always a clutch hit, uh, in his arsenal, uh, all the way down the lineup. Kendall Pettis is, is batting phenomenally. He was the most outstanding player in the regional. Can Blake Robertson kind of come back, um, and make a reappearance as the dominant guy at the plate he was, whether that's just get on base with a walk or, um, you know, start hitting some of those doubles. He was hitting a ton of doubles in the middle of the year. I think if, if he can get back, this lineup gets really, really ultra scary. It's, it's already scary right now, but um, that takes you to a whole new level. So hopefully we can see him uh, come back and make a big contribution when it matters most. But uh, Adam, before we move on from baseball, yeah, 
Again, I'm going to have to ask you to take off the crimson glasses. Wouldn't you like to see an A&M versus Texas matchup at some point? Like whether they both win or they both lose, we know in, in our neck of the woods like how yeah. much that rivalry means. Obviously, we love them both to lose, right? And then they can play each other in an elimination game. But for the for the the fandom, for just the classic, you know, college sports fan, you kind of got to root for that. Just like obviously, you want OU to win, but that yeah. would be a juicy matchup in Omaha. Yeah, so I will take that in the losers bracket, and OU can face <laughs> Notre Dame in game two. <laughs> and yeah. then I guess to take that one step further, Arkansas I think is the only team on the other side of the bracket that's interesting as mm-hmm. far as a matchup for OU. The others are kind of like, sure. eh, who cares? But an OU Arkansas College World Series finals would be or final who knows yeah. final finals um <laughs> that could be really fun and interesting there so yeah so let's talk there softball let's talk softball i feel like it's old news now adam we're we're a week away or a week uh removed from ou winning its back-to-back championship at six overall under coach gasso uh adam it's, it's unbelievable what this program is um if if dynasty was a question at a couple weeks back it's not anymore this is a dynasty this is up there now with the yukon basketball alabama football uh kind of conversation it's it's amazing and you look at the last two seasons combined record of 115 and 7 like that like that's video game stuff it really is unreal, but we have heard enough about the game. Everybody knows we whack Texas left and right. Um, but let's talk about something I think that it's a it's a, a more engaging conversation here, and that's discussing where does this team rank all time, which is really hard to do because softball over the past maybe decade has really improved as far as its level of competition, the amount of teams. I mean, I say that there's only been like four or five teams that have won it. The amount of teams who have the ability to win a national championship. But you look at this Sooners program right now, this season at 59 and three, where do they rank kind of all time? And one of the things that actually stood out to me as I started researching this is this team doesn't even like, doesn't even close to as far as having the most wins of a single team in the past few years. You look at last year, uh, excuse me, 2017, this OU team had 61 wins. Florida in 15 had 60, Bama in 12 had 60, Arizona had 60 in 2011, and then Arizona State back in 2008 had 66 wins. So it's not necessarily as much about the wins as it is about the amount of losses. And that's where I think this conversation gets interesting. Outside of Arizona in 1994, who had three losses, they also had 64 wins, and UCLA in 92, who was 54-2, and those are the only two teams that had two losses or less in a single season. And both of those teams are playing in a time where again, it, it's not as competitive as what it is now. Back then it was basically a PAC 12 championship um, because that's the only teams who won it. Cause West coast has just been notably different when it comes to softball, but Adam, it, they, they've got to be in the conversation of the top two, top three college softball teams of all time. Right. I would say number one, simply because sure. it's, it's hard to, it's, always hard in any sport at any level to measure teams from one era to another. Sure. But I think it's even harder when you say, well, it's softball, a sport that is still maturing at this point. It's yeah. not reached its full maturation. It's still growing the money and the resources that are available to these girls and these teams to whether that's um, in training in coaching in nutrition, whatever it might be, it's a totally different experience today than it was for um, that 1992 UCLA team. And, yep. and just like in, you know, football, for example, you know, the, the type of athlete, the size, the speed difference is, is different than it was back then. Yeah. 
So I guess you're really just talking, is it more impressive to have two losses or three losses at that point? <laughs> um, yeah. And I would say, I have to say it's still OU at this point because the competition had to be, had to have been better. It had to have been more balanced. Yeah. Um, whereas it was much more West coast dominated back then. Anyone that was good on the East coast was probably trying to get over to the, the West coast to play. Now it is much more balanced nationwide. Um, and then also I think you take into account the recruiting factor of there are a lot of good softball players in the state of Oklahoma, just because of what this program has done and, and, you know, made people want to play that in high school, but Oklahoma state as well at Oklahoma state. Yeah. Look, but look at like Rogers state and like USAO has got a good softball program. Like yeah. everybody is, but at the same time, they're getting, they're giving, getting and giving half scholarships to a lot of these players. Same thing with baseball. So you're kind of somewhat limited with what's in your state to some level. Sure. Uh, whereas California, much bigger state, much more resources, much m- more players to go after at that point. So yeah, I think it's more impressive what OU's done. I would agree. And I think um, I'd be curious, and, and you'll have to forgive me, I did not go look up the 94 Arizona and 92 UCLA teams' records, how they won, but the way this team won throughout the season, and honestly just sheer dominating fact and performance outside of those three deals. But I mean, one of those losses to, uh, to Oklahoma State, I believe that one went into extra innings. Texas was close up until the very end. It was really outside of that UCLA loss where UCLA pretty much controlled the game. Um, that's That was kind of the only really definitive loss. The others were like could have gone either way. So this team could have easily been, you know, 61 and one on the season if a few things just go, which I mean, we're being greedy at this point. But <laughs> that being said, let's transition now to where does this team rank in OU sports history? Because it's got to be up at the top, and I know we put together a list here. So a few few teams maybe compare last year's softball team, fifty six and four, national champion. Uh, Twenty thirteen softball, fifty seven and four, national championship. Uh, Twenty nineteen women's gym goes undefeated. Uh, pick a team between the 2013 and 2018 men's gymnastics because they were just winning left and right. But then you start getting into, you know, some of the football stuff, the, the 2000 team, the 74, 75, 85 Switzer titles. And then of course, you know, you added this one on here, which I thought was a great point. Anywhere between 1953 to 57, 47 straight wins. Those are really hard to compare. Can't really put them side by side, but just as a sheer fan, where do you put this team and just kind of the history of OU athletics? So I, I really can't compare it to the gymnastics programs. As great as they've been, there's much fewer teams competing for that yeah. that title. Um, so just your odds go up just in nature of that. The 2000 football team, as special as that season was, and as much as fans love that, even they were living, living by the skin of their teeth in several games. And that was right. not how this softball team is. Um, and then uh, to me, I added that, that 53 to 57, the 47 straight uh, football wins there. That one's interesting. I don't know how you compare that because that is multiple teams, uh, multiple different players that were involved there. Same coach, obviously, but that feat itself is is pretty incredible and it's it stood the test of time um, so far. Um, and it's also, you have to take into account, this was just about the turn of when teams that were west of Chicago started getting some notice, or maybe I should say west of Minneapolis even, sure, because uh, Minnesota was great in the 20s. But this was kind of an era where you didn't get a whole lot of respect, just kind of like how softball was maybe 20 years ago. If you were sure. on the East Coast, you weren't UCLA or Arizona. So um, a little bit different, but I feel like that's got to be the most comparable as far as like dominance to what this year's softball team was. Yeah, that's fair. I'm not as 
against comparing the women's gym program because I do think the women's women's gym as a whole, I think it's about like 10 years behind where softball is now yeah. where you're seeing programs emerge, but the diversity is probably not quite there yet. But you could say the same thing about softball. Like there's still just a, there is a, it's a bigger than what it used to be, but there's still a small group of teams year in and year out who have the actual chance to win a national yeah. championship. So I don't think it's as separated as maybe you, you feel, but that's all about perspective. But I agree with you really outside of that 47 straight wins, which is difficult because it is multiple teams. Like you mentioned, I mean, they're right. They're right there. Um, I would, I would put this team over the two, uh, 2021 and 2013 softball teams. Um, just if obviously I think having a healthy Jordy ball against some of those bats, especially last year and, and, you know, going up against Kalani Ricketts and that entire group would be an entertaining, uh, matchup if both teams are healthy, but it's gotta be up at the top for me. Um, the way this team dominated and again, 53 to 57, that football team, it's so long ago. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just kind of hard to compare. So for me, if I had to pick one team where I'm like, this is the best team in, in, in OU history, it's got to be this one. But before we move on from softball, the rich get richer. Uh, one thing, transfer portal is already in play. Uh, Patty's already at work. Alex Storocco commits to OU, the Michigan starting pitcher of the last few seasons. One year of eligibility left. She was the Big Ten first team. Or she's, excuse me. She was on the Big Ten first team for the last two seasons and the Big Ten Pitcher of the Year last year. Uh, 25-8 and eight on the season with a 1.71 ERA, which again, I talked about us getting greedy. That seems like a massive ERA in comparison to many of our pitchers that we've seen over the years, but that's actually pretty damn good. Uh, and you would think that the pitching staff under Jenna Rocha can really get that number down even more. But Adam, you look at Ball, you look at the number one pitcher in the class and Deal coming in now, you look at Storocco, Nicole May, a lot of people assume she was out the door. That has not been made public yet. If it is going to be made public, it's very possible Nicole May is coming back. As I say that, I expect to tweet at any second saying she's she's heading to the <laughs> to the transfer portal because that's my luck. But we the the pitching staff was really good this year. It's scary what to think of what they could be next year if Nicole May stays and can play at her peak performance because we saw it against Texas. When Nicole May is on, she's really, really good. But when she's off, she's really, really just mediocre, to be frank. So if that team, if that pitching staff can be at its best, it, uh, it's scary what the Sooners can be uh, here in 2023. Yeah. Another name that's kind of been on the radar that the Sooners might not be done in the portal here, but I know yeah. people have mentioned uh, Alina or Alina Torres out of Arizona okay. state. There you uh, go. She hit 339 last year. So, and you know, that's only going to go up if uh, she does decide to go to OU listed right. as an infielder. Um, but I, I imagine she could play outfield if, if the Sooners needed her to needed her to, I know we'll be looking for uh, someone to replace Jana Johns at third base. So yeah. that could be a uh, potential there, but yeah, the rich, continue to get richer so it'll be interesting crazy. this 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 roster was built to protect jocelyn Allo. i know a lot of teams walked her earlier this season mm -hmm. and rightfully so but as you get in deeper and deeper in the season you can't do that when you have tiara jennings sitting right behind her yeah who now is going to protect jennings like they were protecting like she protected Allo, you know this past season is it a a healthy um Oh gosh, Alyssa Brito uh, or Grace Lyons are the two that come to mind for me. Grace Lyons, but you even think of like a Kenzie Hansen when Kenzie Hansen's oh, yeah. been healthy. She was. She she's was actually good. been really solid. Yeah. And so, does this next you know five six months allow her to get healthy and become kind of that uh, that spot behind her? So there are definitely going to be question marks in this lineup, but 
and Patty, we trust, I'm sure will be just fine. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So let's go from a coach that we trust unquestioningly to one that we're all really excited about with Brent Venables, yeah. but the recruiting side's been off to an interesting start. I don't want to call it a slow start because we knew that it was going to be slower um, right. to, to get some commits just based on his style, the way he wants to recruit. But I know you've brought up all the three stars that we have at this point. Uh, yeah. We've got a couple that have committed recently. Uh, Cade uh, McIntyre, the athlete from Nebraska. I think a lot of people are expecting him to either be a tight end or a linebacker. It's kind of unclear at this point. Mm-hmm. You've got Caleb Spencer, the linebacker from Virginia. Uh, Keon Brown, the uh, wide receiver that I think probably will end up being a lot higher than a three-star. But you've got quite a few three-stars in this class, and I think that has some people a little bit concerned. Yeah, and there's plenty of guys out there that have higher rankings, uh, top 100, top 250 guys that we may look back at this three months from now and be like, well, that was a really stupid topic. Like, we're clearly just fine. But I, I think you always want recruiting under a new coach to begin with a big bang. Um, I, you, we haven't had that. And now is that Venable's philosophy kind of working against that, right? The once you commit to us, you're done taking visits, you're done talking to other schools that could certainly be in play because everything we've read sounds like if, if this coaching staff operated on the recruiting front, as far as accepting uh, commitments like the Lincoln Riley staff did, we probably would have a few more than what we do right now. And that sounds like, um, you know, that's pretty common knowledge. That said, it's one of those things where we, we wondered about this from the start, if it would hurt. It hasn't necessarily hurt us yet, but all we've got so far is just a few free star, three stars and obviously Jackson Arnold, um, who you know could be a five-star by the end of it. So it's not doom and gloom, but Adam, it's got to be a, a safe assumption to feel maybe the Sooner fan base has got a little bit of three-star fatigue early on. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I would say so. Just because it's so hard to get excited about a three star. Um, I mean, you look at the the film of the different players and it's like, yeah, everybody's having long touchdown runs. Everybody's got that in high school. You're always going to be the best player on your high school team and uh, until you get to college. Um, and then we know the, the rates on, you know, three stars. Uh, some will be pro football Hall of Famers and some will probably never play a down of college football. Um, there's just a, a huge variance there. Yeah. So it's, it's so tough to get really excited about any of them. And I think the guys that we have right now, you've got a couple of, of athletes, some guys that maybe are late bloomers that maybe will rise up to a four star um, by the time all things are said and done. But sure. Yeah. It's hard to get, get super pumped. And um, if you look at last year's class, I tried to look at, you know, the, the commitment list and it does show commitment date, but it doesn't show what they were when they committed. So I'm sure some of these guys actually uh, rose up in the rankings, maybe from a three-star to a four-star. But uh, at this point last year, Jason Llewellyn, Jaden Rowe, Kip Lewis, and then Gavin Sawchuk was June 22nd. So we'll throw him in the mix as well, but that's a couple of four stars there as well. I'm sure there were some guys that were committed that decommitted um, that were four stars already, but sure. um, yeah, pretty big difference at this point. Yeah, we we can't ignore how how Brent and and Davo Sweeney built up Clemson. It was evaluation heavy, and yep. then the recruiting came. So, but we, but I don't think we're at the state where Clemson was when when um, when Venables went over there. So, you got to trust the eyes of of a coaching staff who obviously knows what they're doing and obviously understands who they're taking. 
Um, but I think for the excitement of a program, I think it's valid that, uh, you know, maybe we're not quite as excited as we hope to be around this time. Yeah. And I will say like the three stars that are being recruited by OU, especially if, if this coaching staff is making great evaluations, those guys don't have as many opportunities out there. So sure. they're, I mean, maybe if they're going for visits at Kansas or Memphis or something like that, they know that they have that spot, whether they commit later on or not. If they get a visit and an offer to OU, they know they need to snatch up that spot like then and there. So there are going to be three stars that are going to commit faster uh, in a lot of cases, especially if they're already established and getting some of those visits. Whereas your four stars, they may love their visits and maybe they end up committing to OU, but they know once they commit to OU, they have to stick it out. Um, That's how Venables... Venables runs everything. So it will take longer um, to get some of those guys. It's not time to hit the panic button at this point. But um, but yeah, you would like to have some more excitement and, and something to be be thinking about, to be talking about at this point in the year because it's the dog days of summer already. Um, and thank God for, for college baseball helping us out for another week here because it gets to that point of, of the summer where you're like, yeah, you know, uh, let me watch this old game on YouTube, which just yep. inevitably makes the summer feel even longer <laughs> and you're trying yeah. to feed that appetite. Um, but yeah, we'll hopefully things will will turn around here in the uh, in the near future. I think some guys will will start to, to commit and we'll see some good ones. I agree. Uh, a question on that, though. Will you be less likely to watch old games from the past five seasons or so Ooh. this summer? Oh, uh, that's interesting. I mean, <laughs> the stink of the Lincoln Riley um, presence on the sideline will will be different. Maybe I'll have to find some some even older games to to tune into because there's some good ones on there. There's some there there's some good classics. There's been so many good years of OU football we've been blessed with that. Yep, you know, there's something to watch, but uh, no doubt might be a little anything different. else, Adam. You know, that's all I got. Uh, go Avs, go there go you OU go. baseball, Oklahoma Haw. It's a little bit of a tongue twister, but uh, (laughs) yeah, appreciate everyone listening. If you've made it this far, check out our YouTube page. We've got uh, some smaller segments of uh, the podcast. If that's more your style, uh, you can find us on there by searching the mainline podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the mainline pod, and uh, we will be back again next week. I guess we, we could be recapping a college world series win. Uh, Knock on wood. We'll see how far the Sooners can make it in Omaha. So Uh, Until then, uh, we will see everyone again next week. 